On this episode of Serverless Chats, I speak with Matthew Napoli about serverless PHP with breath. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 55. everyone, I'm Jeremy Daly, and this is Serverless Chats. Today, I'm chatting with Matthew Napoli. Hey, Matthew, thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. So you are a serverless consultant and the founder of Null. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what Null does? Yes, so I created Null uh, two years ago. Uh, my goal was to be able uh, both to work in open source as well as work for clients. So I use that company to uh, do trainings around Breath, around serverless, and also to provide consulting services. And what about your background? Uh, so I started as a developer about 10 years ago, um, and I've been working yeah, mostly as a developer. I been using, you know, configuring servers, setting up servers for for a while. So um, that's why I, I'm also really interested in serverless, and I've been looking at that very closely lately. Great. All right. So I want to talk to you today about serverless uh, and PHP and breath. Um, so serverless is obviously the, you know, the, the topic of this podcast. Um, we've seen quite a bit of movement in the serverless space over the course of the last five years or so. But PHP sometimes get some slack on the internet and uh you know but but can you give me a brief background as to why you chose php yes that's a very good question and that's a good way to start because indeed a lot of people have opinions about php and sometimes for good reason um i started with php just because it was simple and that's what i love about this language um, at the time, like with, when PHP arrived, it was about 25 years ago. Uh, the web was, you know, about creating CGI applications using C or whatever, and PHP arrived and simplified everything, and it made the web accessible to a lot of people. And I find that really amazing. That's why I started with PHP as well. I wanted to build a simple website, and so um, yeah, I started with with PHP um, because of that. But I'm say, I'm seeing the same thing. Today with serverless, it's making infrastructure, it's making uh, hosting applications accessible again to developers. And I find that amazing. So yeah, I started with PHP. I kind of you know, got stuck with this language throughout my jobs. And lately, PHP has become a very interesting language. To be honest, it's really interesting. Um, it's, uh, I mean, if you've used PHP in the past, I really encourage you to give it another look. It's really worth it. Uh, and while I do talk a lot and use a lot PHP, I enjoy uh, using JavaScript as well. Uh, TypeScript lately, really, really interesting language. So, you know, <laughs> life is full of things to learn about, I guess. Right, absolutely. And and I I agree with you on PHP. Um, I started with uh, Perl and CGI way, way back when. And then I think I started using PHP 3.0 or something like that with MySQL databases. And, and you're right, it completely changed things. And from that, you know, we got WordPress, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but I think that like 80% of the web runs on PHP. Yeah, that's that's a huge that's a huge market, which is interesting when we're going to talk about AWS Lambda later. But uh, yeah, PHP is huge. And I don't think this is something that we can ignore. Right, right. Okay, so speaking of this, PHP, 
uh, you realized that there was a gap in the serverless ecosystem um, for PHP. And so you wrote something called Breath. Uh, can you tell the listeners what that's all about? Exactly, yes. So I am a developer. I like writing code, creating applications. I don't like setting up servers and all of that stuff. So this is why I created Breath. I wanted a simple way to put my PHP code online. And at the time, I was looking into serverless, looking into AWS Lambda. And I discovered, of course, that AWS Lambda does not support PHP. So I created Breath to bridge the gap, run PHP on Lambda, and provide a lot of tools, documentation, examples, and um, yeah, anything that you may lack to create those serverless applications. So I would say that Breath is more than just a runtime, it's a whole stack. Right. And so there's actually two parts of Breath, right? So why don't you explain those two different parts? Yes. Um, I realized over time that there are two major use cases when you look at Breath and what you can do with PHP on Lambda. So in the first case, you know about AWS Lambda. You know how it works. You know why you use, use it. And the only thing that's missing is that you want to run PHP for some reason. Maybe you want to use PHP and you want to run it on Lambda. So the first part of Breath is a runtime that works just like any other language on Lambda. And yeah, you can write functions in PHP, uh, handle queue messages, SQS queue messages, even bridge messages, react to S3 events, uh, API gateway events as well. You know, the usual. And the second use case is different. Instead of adapting PHP to run on Lambda, there are people that know PHP and do not really know about Lambda and what they can do with it. So I take it the other way around and I adapt Lambda to PHP. So the approach is that uh, users don't have to change anything in their code. They can take their Laravel application, Symfony application, or whatever, and hopefully put it on in Lambda and it just works. And uh, so that's a second runtime. Uh, this runtime, I mean, we can go into the details. It's really interesting um, because the way PHP runs is very similar to how AWS Lambda runs. Mm. You know, um, so making the old PHP way run on Lambda was fairly, I mean, I don't want to say easy, but it was doable. And that's that's the second approach where, well, people can just start using Lambda as a web host. That's how I call it, Lambda as a web host instead of functions. Sure. Right. So the custom runtime for, uh, for just the first part of it, right? So just being able to run PHP on Lambda. And this is something that's really interesting and because I know there are others that maintain PHP runtimes out there, but you are like optimizing it for actual PHP developers, right? Um, so you're using like PHP FPM, right? Exactly. Yes. So the, the FPM runtime, called that the FPM runtime is used for the use case where you want to use AWS Lambda as a web hosting platform. Um, the FPM runtimes actually runs PHP FPM, which is like PHP web server inside Lambda. Um, and Breath has a little bridge that um, when there is an API gateway event, will take the event, convert it into a request that PHP FPM understands. This is called the fast, this is the fast CGI protocol. And so Breath does the bridge, pro provides the fast CGI request to PHP, and then PHP runs just as usual. And you know the PHP execution model is you have a request, a PHP process starts, 
builds the whole framework, runs the request, uh, processes the request, and returns a response, and then die. And uh, this is just how, I mean, this is perfect for AWS Lambda. That's why it's quite easy um, to integrate FPM with Lambda. Right. And then you have the ability to actually create individual handlers as functions and type classes, right? Exactly. Yes. So this is the second part where, um, so the first part to me is helpful to get people started with Lambda. They start with PHP FPM. They understand that uh, you know, oh, Lambda is great for running application. It can be cheap. Uh, it can it can scale really well. So once they started with Lambda, they understand the execution model and everything, and then they can look into using those real functions, like using Lambda just the way it was designed to be. Yeah. So with this second runtime, they write function uh, either using standard PHP functions or using classes. Um, those classes, those functions are inspired by the JavaScript runtime as well as the Java runtime for Lambda. So they can, they can write classes to process SQS events, even bridge events, uh, S3 or DynamoDB events, and so on. Yeah. So that's actually really cool because I think that some of the other libraries out there uh, just essentially have function support, right? So if you're building much more complex systems that are using classes and using that kind of functionality, then uh, the runtime that Bref provides is, I think, is much more flexible and more interesting. So, all right, so you've got this runtime now, uh, and you've got this ability to port PHP applications into Lambda now, but what are some of the other sort of benefits uh, of Bref? Well, the main one I see is, um, obviously, those are the benefits of serverless. So you have an application, you can, uh, drop your server that you used where you used to run PHP, put your application in Lambda, and just be done with it. You can scale, you can um, pay exactly for what you use. And uh, since you already made the step of running on Lambda, of configuring the little details like where do I send logs to CloudWatch, how do I store files to Amazon S3, once you've done all that effort, it becomes easier to um, you know, write those little functions like I have a webhook. Why not write it, write it as a simple function? You know, uh, I have I want to use queues. Why not send that to SQS with the uh, with the adapters? Um, so those are all those little uh, integrations that get you started really easily. And along that, there are different libraries and, and tooling, um, like um, Pref provides a simple logger specifically made for AWS Lambda. It also provides a little dashboard specifically made so that you can view the logs and, and a few metrics, um, and some tooling to run uh, commands on Lambda. This is re really common for PHP developers to be able to you know, run um, cron tasks or uh, my, MySQL migrations on their server, and they need tooling to do all of that stuff on Lambda as well. So Brev provides a specific um, tool for that. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's another thing too, right? Um, you know, because I, I got these confused. So you think about the Bref runtime versus the Bref library itself. So yeah. the Bref library itself is like this opinionated HTML framework, right? But it gives you a lot of those capabilities, like you said, like the logger and some of that other stuff that's built in. But what about like local development? How do you do that? Yes, that's also... Uh... Uh, something that was asked very early on, and it took us some time to answer that problem. Uh, but we ended up building um, 
Docker images. Mm -hmm. um, so those images are the same that we use to build the runtimes. This is the images we use to compile PHP to set, you know, the correct extensions and, and the correct settings and everything. So we use those images to create the runtimes, and we also provide them so that developers can run them on their machine. That's really helpful to develop locally. Um, and it's with either the web hosting runtime and the Bref for functions runtime. Mm -hmm. uh, for both of those runtimes, we have two different images. And um, yeah, that for both of them, you can run these locally. Nice. All right. So what about publishing the application? Is there like a workflow for publishing? Yeah, so um, Bref, Bref does not uh, provide like a, a, a tool for deploying. Instead, it uses the serverless framework. Uh, early on, I started working on a, on a YAML-based tool that would uh, you know, read the YAML configuration that you define and create the resources that you would need. And then I realized it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it exists already. You know, there's a serverless framework, there is SAM, there's CloudFormation, there's so much stuff. Um, so yeah, throw everything away. Uh, Breath now uses serverless, uh, and it's working really great. Um, throughout the documentation, we also explain how to configure serverless for you know, PHP use cases, PHP-related use cases, so websites, APIs, queue workers. Those are the three main use cases. Mm -hmm. And Bref also provides um, a serverless plugin to easily use the Bref layers, uh, the Bref runtimes. Great. All right, so let's talk about the primary use cases for a second, because I think this is really helpful uh, for people who are thinking about building serverless applications, like what can you do with it? Um, so obviously PHP is built for the web. Um, I know some people use it for ETL tasks um, and things like that, if you're really familiar with it. Um, but but let's say the primary use case here is serving up a website, right? So how how do you build that with Breath? Right. Um, I would say the, the main, the starting point would be to use the runtime that is made with PHP FVM. So the one that will let you use PHP just as usual. That way you can use your favorite framework. That's great. You can work locally, create your website, and then deploy with serverless. I mean, serverless.yaml. You would configure your framework to send the logs to CloudWatch. That's very easy thanks to um, you know, the standard error output. Mm -hmm. You could also, also configure your framework to use Amazon S3 for storage. Um, and then you can deploy that on Lambda with API Gateway as the HTTP endpoint. If you are building websites, however, and that's what we document in Bref, you can either use API Gateway by itself or use CloudFront in front of API Gateway. That way, CloudFront can serve assets with Amazon S3 and serve you know, usual PHP pages through API Gateway. So it's a bit like, a, you know, it, it's very familiar to PHP developers, in my opinion, because it's like using Apache or Nginx with PHP and FPM and Apache or Nginx serving up the assets. There is not a lot of difference here. We use CloudFront and Lambda and S3, but the, the, the setup is roughly the same. Right. Okay. So what about if you're building APIs and like, I get it. Like, let's say you're using Laravel um, or you're using Symfony or, and you get your routes in or whatever. Um, is the only way to do this um, to build just the Lambda proxy integration to accept everything? Or could you build separate functions for different endpoints? Yes. I would say if you use a framework that has a router inside, so Laravel, Symfony, both have routing inside of the framework, um, 
I don't think it would make sense to have different functions. It right. would be the monolith lambda pattern, uh, where you have a single function, which is huge, and handles all requests. Uh, you could have maybe two functions, for example, if you have a front end and a back end, where you know the front end is public and the back end back office is only accessible to administrators. That could make sense to have two functions. That way you can uh, scale functions differently. You can protect those functions differently as well. Uh, but yeah, to me, this is the main use case, the monolithic approach. And yeah, but yeah. but if you did want to break them up, though, you just you just wouldn't use the framework, right? Exactly, I wouldn't because then the root routing would be done twice. Um, once you start using the API gateway routing feature, to me that's where it makes sense to write actual functions, whether with PHP classes or functions doesn't really matter, but write you know, actual Lambda functions. Right. Um, Bref provides, uh, yeah, I didn't mention that, but Bref provides a small integration here where API gateway events can be automatically converted into standard PHP requests and back and same for responses so um, um yeah just to clarify on that php has a standard for requests and responses which is called psr7 and bref can automatically map an event from api gateway to those objects so that's pretty good because it lets you write php controllers just like in any framework but without a framework right which is pretty cool Hey everyone, I just want to take a quick minute to tell you about the new Serverless Chats Insider program. This program is designed for our listeners so that you can help shape the conversation instead of just listening to it. Sign up with your email address and you'll get notifications of upcoming topics and guests. Then you can ask them questions and even suggest new topics and new guests for future episodes. Plus, we've got some great swag that we're going to be giving away as well. So if you want to become a Serverless Chats Insider and stay up to date and participate in this conversation, go to serverlesschats.com insiders and sign up today. So then what about the um, like the workers and that sort of use case where um, so maybe I have like I, so I know like Laravel has like a queuing system and there's some other um, things built into those. But if I just wanted to build a worker function, um, you know, do I do that as part of the framework or is that something that I separate out into its own thing? That's uh, yeah, that's a very interesting question. The answer to me is not really easy. It depends. Um, the Laravel queue system and Symfony has one as well, which is called Symfony Messenger. Those are pretty cool and pretty, pretty nicely built. Um, they, for example, handle automatic serialization and deserialization of your classes into into up, uh, into strings that can be sent to SQS. Uh, they handle retry, uh, dead letter queues, all of that. So, if you start using AWS Lambda and the SQS integration. Some of these features are useless, become useless, like the retry in the later queue mechanisms. You can use the one from mm -hmm. SQS. Now, do you need the automatic serialization and deserialization of objects? Sometimes, sometimes not. So um, depending on the case, whether you want to get your hands dirty or exchange messages across languages and across applications, you may not want to use a framework. And writing Lambda functions with class handlers, that's perfectly fine. But if you enjoy the, 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 the high-level service that Laravel may provide, then use Laravel queues. That's fine. And that's why we've been working lately on integrating those frameworks and their specific you know, queue system with the Lambda and SQS. 
Right. All right. So then what about like ETL tasks and batch processing or other scripts? Like, um, you know, a lot of use cases for Lambda functions, you see people, you know, like spinning up uh, infrastructure and shutting it down uh, or just kicking off some processing, batch processing, maybe reading from Kinesis or, or doing something like, you know, pulling data from S3. Um, you know, obviously that's all possible to do with, with this, but is there like an interface into those other services via breath or is it just a matter of using the PHP SDK? Yes. That, to me, that's about using the PHP SDK. Um, I haven't seen a lot of like weird use cases. Um, and I think it's also related to the culture of PHP. So PHP is an old language and I would say it's a mature language and ecosystem. And just mentioning Lambda, sometimes it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it feels like a buzzword. People can be reluctant to look into those things. Uh, I understand that. It's perfectly fine to go with mature and boring technologies. Um, but yeah, I think going with Kinesis and DynamoDB, that's a, a use case that is not that popular in PHP. So um, yeah. I think that's that's the that's the thing. Um, it's also really frightening when I say to people that Lambda has a maximum execution time of 15 minutes. Uh, to me, it seems like huge, and you can you know split large tasks into parallelized smaller tasks. Mm -hmm. But it's still sometimes a, a huge step for some teams to refactor their code and change it so that it fits on Lambda. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I do think that that PHP mindset. Um, is wrapped around relational databases like using yes. MySQL or something like that. Um, sort of just built into that mindset. Um, but that'd be interesting. Do you think uh, you know that there'll be a culture or a cultural shift um, where you know that you know that PHP people start embracing um, you know like DynamoDB more, or like or do you think like eventually like like Gref will have first class support for DynamoDB? Yes, I definitely want to do that. I started working on a DynamoDB. Um, I don't want to say ORM because it doesn't make right. any sense, but you know, DynamoDB SDK. Um, in PHP, there is obviously the AWS SDK, but for DynamoDB, for example, there is not the same level of. Um, it's not as good as the JavaScript implementation. You, it's really, really hard to send objects and, and, and get back objects from DynamoDB, for example. So there are some things lacking specifically in PHP. So I want to cover DynamoDB. I also really, really want to cover EventBridge and its schema registry. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff to do here that could be really interesting. Yeah. But that's a lot of work to do. Yes. <laughs> I know. Well, I wrote uh, the uh, the DynamoDB toolbox, which is a layer on top of the JavaScript version, um, which tries to make that even simpler, which is, yeah, I mean, it's not getting data in and out of DynamoDB is fairly simple, but being able to serialize it the right way and make sure that you do all the right formats and stuff can get a little bit confusing. Um, but let's not even get started on querying and uh, single table design and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, all right, go ahead. And yeah, just thought about a use case I heard about uh, like six months ago. I thought it was really interesting and really like PHP. Um, so it was a team that had a really old legacy PHP application. And um, that's an approach I found really interesting. So the application was so old and so 
legacy that they couldn't just edit the code, add new features, uh, and they were really desperate about it. So what they did instead was uh, migrate the MySQL database to use Aurora, and then use the Aurora trigger to uh, run PHP code whenever there were modifications on some specific rows. And that's how they managed to bridge a very old legacy application with Lambda and with their new stack, where they could forward information from the old database into the new system. I thought it was a really clever way to do it. Yeah, that's interesting. And so speaking about legacy applications, um, so Symfony and Laravel, um, we talked about this earlier. There are a lot of those applications out there, right? So Laracon and, um, you know, and Taylor Otwell did, um, you know, I had him on the show a long time ago and he had just released Laravel Vapor, um, which is sort of the serverless version of Laravel um, that allows you to deploy it there. But but that was something, though, that was pri proprietary and you had to host it in his environment or I guess you would deploy to your environment, but there's like a deployment engine in there. Um, but with Breath, though, you have support for Symfony and Laravel. Um, so can I just take an existing Symfony app, for example, and drop it into serverless using Breath? Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, it should be that easy. It's not that easy. You would have a few, a few very easy things to configure, for example, logging and sessions and um, yeah, the cache. And, and I think that's about it. Those are three things that's a single line of code mm -hmm. to change most of the time. It's really easy to do. But then there's usually a few more things that actually write to the file system. That's the main thing, write to the file system. So you have to change that. If it's information you want to keep, you have to use Amazon S3. Thanks to uh, abstractions in Symfony and Laravel, it's usually fairly easy to change. Um, but yeah, th these thing things can take time. I would say, uh, depending on the complexity of the application, you could spend half a day, maybe a day or two on that migration. Um, if you have a very old, I mean, a legacy application, that's much harder. And that's where I think it would be um, maybe too much work. Right. So let me ask you this question, because I always find that as you're building greenfield applications that you've got a lot more choices, right? Um, and so old and boring, and I don't know if I would consider Laravel and Symfony um, you know, too old. I mean, they are kind of old at this point, but boring. I mean, for people who are in that ecosystem, you know, they certainly love them. But is that something where if you were building a new serverless application and you were going to use PHP because you know that's a language you're familiar with. Would you still suggest that people build using one of these frameworks, or do you suggest that they start thinking you know single-purpose functions? I have seen a lot of uh, web agencies building like two or three websites every month. They use Laravel. They know their tools and they they know everything that they have to know in Laravel. They are really productive, and for them using AWS Lambda is mostly a question of not having to deal with the infrastructure. So for them, it makes total sense to keep using Laravel and start using Lambda. And then Lambda will become boring, and then they will have to write a small cron task or a small worker, and they'll get started with actually writing proper functions. And to me, that's, that's a very valid way to, to do that. Because if Laravel works on Lambda, and if it's cheap, and if it scales well, and if it just does the job, then why not? Now, if you were... I don't know um, if you were a startup and you want to invest into the future and you wanted to, or you're a large company and you want to write microservices, then yeah, it would probably make more sense to 
get started into a proper serverless architecture. But I don't think one, um, I think each of those has its use cases. Right. Yeah. And now what do you do? Uh, you, you do a lot of consulting work. So when you're writing Breath applications, um, do you do you do proper functions um, and uh, uh, and just use you know you know, you you don't use those extra those extra libraries and frameworks? Yeah, I would say it depends. Um, if I am creating the application and and I know that the team that will maintain that in the long run is able to pick that up and use it, then yes, I do as serverless as I can. Um, but in some cases, that's just like I write the prototype or I do a migration and. I will hand that off to a team that doesn't know a lot about Lambda. So I really adjust uh, based on the people that will work on that project later. Uh, for my own project, I use serverless everywhere. Uh, I even, you know, I'm starting to write some experimental runtimes that go even further than what I'm doing at the moment. I'm exploring as much as I can. I think there's still a lot to do. I follow a lot what, uh, um, oh, uh, Arc.codes and, and people at Begin are doing. Yeah, I forget the name of... Uh... Brian LaRue. Exactly, yes. So um, I love the approach of actually changing infrastructure and changing completely the way we create and organize our applications. That makes sense. But I think it's a step that is really high. Um, I'm sure we will get there, but I think it's also fine to, to take time and to adapt to the actual needs for right now. Right. Yeah. So I think that you bring up a really good point. And that's just that this idea that the complexity of serverless, um, you know, like a, like a few years ago, it was easy, right? It was simple, straightforward. Um, and then as more use cases started popping up and more people uh, were like, oh, I need to be able to do this or I need to be able to do that. Um, it becomes more complex, right? Like this is an ongoing conversation that I have with a lot of my guests. But what are your thoughts on the complexity of serverless in general, right? Because if you're just uploading code and you go to the or you go to the console, type in something for Node, it's easy enough. Now you're talking about deploying with a framework, um, using a custom runtime, uh, maybe potentially building um, your own you know, your own framework, where you have to use your own framework or use a, a framework like Breath to do that. I mean, I think there's a, a value into just having these simple onboarding experiences like. I already I already know Laravel or I already know Symphony, um, you know. But like, what are your thoughts on where this is going in complexity? Yes, um, and that's uh, actually I wanted to say that uh, when I think about Laravel Vapor, for example, I think that's a really good approach because with Laravel Vapor, Taylor has complete control over the framework and over what the framework will do, and he designed the framework with the new versions to run specifically. I mean, to be completely compatible with Vapor. Vapor is super easy to, to, to use. So I think this is a really good approach. Um, and it's a, it looks like a very good product. Um, same with Begin. I think those approaches make a lot of sense, just like with serverless components that we've seen lately. It makes so much sense. Um, as you said, it's, it's simple, yet it's getting more and more complex every month. So um, we maybe, need, maybe we need another uh, radical simplification yet again. But this time uh, around maybe the code or how we set all that things up. Right, yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, as the author of a framework, um, you know, because I know when I build tools uh, and open source tools, um, I do it because it's something that I need, right? It's something that was missing. Um, so do you think frameworks are the answer? I mean, because again, I, I, I use frameworks all the time. Uh, it's, it's not something I shy away from, 
But the question is, do we need frameworks for serverless or should we get to a point you know, where we don't need them because the cloud provider or whoever um, is handling most of that complexity for us? Exactly. Yes, that's a very, very interesting discussion. Um, the more I use serverless and services from AWS, the more I realize that these services replace parts of our frameworks. And, and that's what I've been trying to use more and more lately with, with a, you know, you, ha you have API gateway do doing the routing, so you can drop that off your framework. You have right. even bridge with um, this even schema registry and, and schema validation and mapping to actual TypeScript objects or whatever. This is actually what Symfony Messenger is about. So this library is being replaced by a service, an infrastructure service. Um, and there are so many examples of that. You can do CQRS with, uh, again, services. And I think eventually the framework may actually move into the cloud and, and the code framework will actually be an infrastructure framework. Uh, I'm not sure where eventually we will arrive, but that's really, really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree because I think it's one of those things where like we try to... Right, so AWS gives us primitives, right? Like these simple things that we can use, you know, Lambda is a primitive, DynamoDB is a primitive, SQS is a primitive, um, but we have to glue all these things together. Um, and you have CloudFormation, serverless framework as an abstraction on top of that. You've got, uh, you know, obviously Terraform and some of these other things. I I'm just wondering though, you know, you know, and I'm trying to, I think you have unique insight here because as you're building a framework, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a level of abstraction and you're trying to find a way to say, okay, here are all these loose ends uh, and I'm going to tie them together for you so that you don't have to worry about that interconnection. So I think that you just have a unique um, perspective on this, you know, um, but do you think it's possible, um, you know, and you, you mentioned about maybe moving the framework into the cloud, but is there something higher level like a serverless components that either you know the cloud provider creates, or um, you know, or something like serverless, you know, components or CDK, you know, that are, you know, are, exactly they, are those I, the answer? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm I was going to say. Uh, I don't know if it will be the serverless components. I don't know if it will be the CDK or uh, begin a begin like solution. Myself, I've been working on uh, like a framework, a PHP framework built on Breath that actually configures. A bit like serverless components, mm -hmm. but specifically made for PHP, and that looks a lot like you know the Laravel approach, except there is no code; it's just setting up infrastructure. And yes, there is a missing abstraction here. Uh, it will happen. I don't know how, <laughs> but I uh, just to answer your previous question, I don't think the framework will die. It will just change a lot, and it will change in shape. Yeah. I think that makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, all right, so then, just on serverless in general. Um, because we have a few more minutes. I'd like to pick your brain if I could. Um, so you've been building a lot of serverless applications. Obviously, a lot of use cases you can solve with it. Uh, you're focused on PHP, which I don't think limits in any way um, you know, what you're doing, but there's certainly a lot of other use cases that serverless or Lambda isn't ready for yet or it can't handle yet. So where do you see the future of serverless going? Do you see like this eventually replacing containers completely? Or do you think that we're going to live in a, a hybrid world for a very long time? That's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Uh, it would make sense to me that eventually we would be assembling bricks 
um, and not doing that container thing or setting up servers, containers, whatever, just assembling stuff, just like we can now directly connect some AWS services um, together without even having to write lambdas together. You know, the glue is just configuration that we write in YAML. <laughs> um, for use cases like machine learning, I've never used that. So <laughs> I'm not really good to speak on that, to be honest. Um, yeah, but getting up to a high level of abstraction is just the way things go, the way we go. Right, awesome. All right, well, listen, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. Um, this was a great conversation. Uh, if people want to find out more about you uh, and more about Breath, how do they do that? Um, I have a blog, which is mnapoli.fr, so they can go there. I have a few uh, use, uh, case studies, sorry, case studies about PHP websites migrated to Lambda with Breath. Um, I do have a, some, a few more of them to write. Uh, there's obviously a Breath website if they want to get started with PHP on Lambda. I do run a, a web, uh, sorry, a newsletter as well uh, that is related to serverless and specifically to PHP. So when there's anything new in serverless, I look at it and wonder, is this related to PHP? Is mm -hmm. this useful to PHP developers? If so, I share about it. And uh, finally, I will. I am at, at the moment working on, uh, on an interactive course. Um, it's not ready yet. Hopefully, it will be uh, in a month or so. And my goal is to show um, developers, not just PHP developers, but developers that do not understand why serverless is interesting, uh, what, what use case can be actually uh, solved with serverless. So that's something I've been working on, and I'm really eager to finally release it. Awesome. All right. And you also had that uh, cost calculator, too, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So I will put all of that Perfect. in the show notes so that uh, everybody can see all this stuff. Um, but again, this was awesome. Thanks again, Matthew. Thank you. And that's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Matthew Napoli for being my guest this week. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 55. For more serverless chats, subscribe, check us out on YouTube, and make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can connect with me on Twitter, at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you sign up for the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.